Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for January 22nd of 2021. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh for HockeyHurts.com. This week on the podcast, we are going to discuss some of the breaking news this afternoon that the NBC is getting rid of their sports channel. And what impact does that have on the NHL right now? And what impact could it have moving forward? And, of course, we are going to discuss the happenings around the Pittsburgh Penguins. It has not been a dull start to the season. Lots of different things going on. And I would say a lot of the stuff, um, not things that were predicted in the offseason by many people. So that it'll be interesting to go through all that. But we are going to lead with that news. NBCSN going bye-bye. Does it matter? This, well, it, it definitely matters because it depends on where the NHL end up. But it gives them a chance to reset, spread their product across multiple networks and try and get more fans in the US. I mean, apparently, if you open up the NHL website today, NHL open season with record viewership. Now, let's get that record interest across multiple networks. Agreed. So... I know that um, Cam, obviously being in Australia, you don't you get NBCSN just because that sometimes that's the only feed of the game. But as far as like going through an American cable system, um, you you don't have to navigate the uh, different intricacies of maybe you went to a hotel and it doesn't have NBCSN, which is a very common thing. Is that you can't even get the main NHL channel at a hotel. Like, you're not doing a very good job of expanding your product or reaching your your base. If you can't even get people who have nothing to do in a hotel room but watch TV sometimes, and you can't even provide them your flagship station to watch the product. I I find that baffling. Like, obviously, we've got a much smaller TV market here. All of the free-to-air channels go into every household. We only have one pay TV channel that exists in, well, one pay TV company that exists in this country. And it is, is it to every, yes, <laughs> that's a conversation for a whole different uh, topical podcast. Um, and it, and that's piped into every hotel. You can't go anywhere in this country where you don't get access to everything right now. Each, hotel might have different packages within it but because we're a sports crazed country the sports channels are always in it so the fact that what you just explained happens is just mind-boggling to me in that context and i mean i get every game because i'm international and the only time that i'll get blacked out is if i forget i've got my vpn on and i'm saying i'm in san francisco or something and i can't get the coverage so the fact that the nhl is on a network at the moment that doesn't exist on a basic package in every hotel it's just crazy okay so that sucks let's throw that to the side let's let's pretend that the hotels do get it and it's on more uh, people's televisions their coverage sucks in general yeah period. It's, it's the person it's the personalities that they have if you look at all the people that are on Think about the way social media has changed, the way players interact with their fans, um, the new generation of players that have come in the last five years, 
and look at a lot of the ex-players that are covering the game now, they just, they haven't moved. They haven't changed. Like, they look at the game still as hard work and grit. You get a couple of, you get a couple of ex-players that talk about, and a couple of teams, local network coverages that talk about some of the newer things and have, have embraced it. But it's like they, it's like they don't want to change because they're, they're sticking to the libs, if you get what I mean. If yeah. you want to use, if you want to use a term, they just they don't want to shift. It's like we don't want the game to change away from what we think is it at its best, and it, it's very frustrating when you watch it. I often watch the games with the sound down, listening to podcasts. Yeah, that's how bad it Likewise. is. Likewise, I gotta say, Keith Jones, man, he's like the coronavirus. He's just not going away. <laughs> <laughs> he is just stuck around forever. And he's the most milquetoast, bland, boring. He's safe. He's safe. He's professional, and and yes. I know I'm being highly critical. Um, I I don't think he's good for the growth or the interest of the game. He's just not the right fun. guy. And I know they got rid of Milbury. I mean, what a low bar to clear there. Um, yeah. But Pierre still they don't there. Need hot, they... They don't need hot takers, though. Like, they don't need Stephen A. Smith. They don't need that kind of craziness. They just need somebody with a personality that actually loves hockey and likes the cool stuff about hockey, the skill, uh, talk up all the cool things that happen, like Svechnikov trying the lacrosse-style goals. And, you know, like, look at how much time and space Nate McKinnon creates here instead of... Oh, this fourth liner, he really, they shut up. Nobody fucking watches for the fourth liners. Nobody cares. So they need superstars to want to be on TV post their career, and they don't have it. The NBA does. Or, or, or doesn't even have to be a superstar. Just somebody that is uh, has a, a decent personality and focuses on the fun part of hockey, not the just defense so first, shut everything Joe down. Thornton to want to do it. Joe Thornton needs to want to do it when he retires. Get him, get his personality up there. But he's, they, he's close to the end. Even Jason Spezza, who's spoken out a little bit more as he's gotten older. Well, if he got picked up on waivers, he might have been available for that job because he said he was going to retire. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Somebody... I'm just. I, and the stupid thing is, they're both Toronto-based guys. I just they're two people that you think like. Well, they are now. It, yeah, but... but you think about it around the league, it's like a, a, a candidate to get on TV right now would be a guy like Patrick Marlowe. And I'm like, how boring would that be? Yeah, and um, Catherine Tappen is a pro's pro. Yes. But she's just playing that guide the broadcast role. There's but not much that. of a... Um, there's not much there as far as, um, you know, in-depth and stuff like that. But that's not her role. I get that. But she's handing it off to Keith Jones or even Anson Carter or... Patrick Sharp is just there because he looks dreamy for the most part. <laughs> but he, you know what I mean? Yes. Look, Kevin Bieksa could work. They tried it, it with is, Jeremy he... Roenick, but he's a fucking buffoon. So yeah, that didn't work. That's the, yeah, that's the Stephen A. Smith sort of area you start jumping into with someone like Roenick. But, you know, Kevin Bieksa would work, but isn't he doing the... He's in the Canada, so coverage? it doesn't, uh, doesn't count. I know, but if you get somebody like... That, like that level of different, that's probably as much as the hockey watching markets can kind of take for now. You don't want to, you can't sort of throw 
you know, you can't just whack craziness into the veins of anybody because you get overdose on it and you're screwed. So they've got an opportunity here, the NHL, to whoever they go to, but then you're relying on them to fix the coverage. Because you're right, the the in-game product itself, the delivery of it, is not exactly what I'd call invigorating. The only thing NBC has done well is literally just show the games. Nothing about their production is good. Nothing about their intermission is good. Nothing about their highlight show is good. Do they even have out-of-game production? Are there any hockey shows? Everybody's like... I don't want uh, I don't want hockey to leave NBC because they treat on NBCSN because it's it's one of their prime products and it's like who gives a shit? Do they even do anything with it? They don't do anything meaningful with that exclusivity. Now, what was interesting is that the the main football sport in this country uh, was covered on one network for. 30 years or something. They had some ridiculous contract. Then it ended. Australian football? Then went, yeah. Okay. So AFL as opposed to like NRL. So one's our version of football. The other's like rugby league as okay. opposed to rugby union. But AFL moved uh, moved away for about a seven-year contract where they split it between different networks. And the advances and improvements in the production value of what actually went out because one they were kind of competing with each other in regards to eyeballs and obviously for advertising dollars um but two it was just a different set of producers and production companies looking at how to present the game to the fans um now the sad part about it is that deal ended and then it went back to the old school guys but they kept the innovations that the other networks had used but now they haven't innovated anything else it's still just the same you know they've gone well we innovated to this point and now we're just going to stay here so the the other bonus of flipping it to different networks is that you will just see innovation because you are going to have different people in the truck doing the work and that can only be a good thing yeah and part of that is the discussion surrounding the game by the actual broadcasters. NBC, as you've mentioned, is so old school, like you can barely even get a Corsi reference on there. When really, you should be hearing about Dom Lecision from The Athletic. You should hear Evolving Wild Stats. You should, you should you be should getting natural Micah stats. Blake you, should, you should see Micah's stuff up on the screen. Yeah, like, Micah, of course. Yeah. They absolutely should be referenced in a modern broadcast. They are providing the modern uh, stuff that is out there that is also interesting and visually appealing, very easy to see. Jay Fresh's charts that are on Twitter, he does great visualizations of this data. Throw some of his charts up there or have your own design team learn fucking Tableau and do it yourself. Now, the interesting thing there is... In the actual game, when we're going from minute zero to minute 20 of each period, you don't need to stuff the game full of them then, or stuff the game full of the stats then. You've got 18 minutes of intermission time where you can 
put the visualizations up on the screen, discuss the visualizations there, tell people what they mean, get people to understand the game a little bit better. Like, that's what those 18 minutes should be. They should be, here's what's going on in the game, and here's why show, this player is doing cool well. Show cool shit from around the league or that game, and educate with these easy-to-understand graphics, and actually have, hire people who can easily explain these easily understood concepts, even though the dinosaurs on there don't seem to... Uh, be willing to even learn the basics and then you have a f- absolute piece of shit like pierre who is condescending to all of it even though he can't even get the fucking stupid jeopardy trivia right anymore he was screwing up the donato uh son and f- father names the other night on the broadcast so he can't even get his stupid fucking shit right anymore so fuck him. That was his claim to fame as well like that was the thing about him he would come up with stuff that was not relevant but just sounded well I'll put interesting. He's, in he's even quotes. screwing that up now. So yeah. what is what good is he? Nothing. Look, it's look. To be honest, the NBC deal coming out of the lockout helped the league move forward, right? It, so it's, yeah. it, it has served its purpose. Now is not the time for them to sit there and think small. They're in the middle of a goddamn pandemic. They need to get there and think big. And try and explode out of the game. If you can get more eyeballs watching the sport, think about when the buildings open up again. People want to go and see the game live. So, w- w- which is great, because it's a great live sport. Yes. Cause you, yeah, it's way better than what you see on TV. Live is way better than on TV. You, If you can get them sucked into the game while they're sitting on their ass because they can't go and do anything, then... They'll go turn up at the games. Like now is the time to, to suck them in. Like we're not gonna we're not gonna get international travel in my country until 2022. I don't know what's gonna happen with you guys internally in regards to your ability to go and do things. Oh, I don't know if you know. All our problems are solved now. Well, as of Wednesday. <laughs> so yeah. No, I'm kidding. Obviously. Oh, and the, and the death count and the, and the death count matters now. Um, so now is a really good chance to get there. Change the way the product looks to the to the viewer and the fan and get people interested so that when people finally get a chance to go out and watch games, they want to go to the game. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. And the way to do that is, as you mentioned, to diversify the outlets to get there. NBC, it while they do have a lot of channels, and NBCSN, which is why I don't think NBCSN going away is actually a problem at all for the NHL. Because apparently they're going to push the NHL's content, the games, to the USA Network. And that is in way more homes. Well, that's a good thing, obviously. Um, NBC obviously has an entire family of Comcast channels. And when the Olympics happen, you see all the different channels they can put stuff on. So, like, that's not a problem. What is a problem is they don't have much of a digital footprint. Uh, perhaps that's changing with the new Peacock app, but I think that you have other things like ESPN that could come back into play. And while ESPN never treated hockey as the number one thing, I don't think that actually matters as much anymore because people have the internet now. It's not about what's on their actual channel. It's about what's on ESPN+. Plus. So what do that do they what games what sport the what sports do they carry ESPN is it all the other three majors 
they have Monday night football. They have basketball for sure. They have ba- yeah, they they cover pretty much everything they have except the... except hockey. Are, is Gary Thorne on ESPN still? Gary Thorne is calling play by play for my favorite baseball team. Yes, Waste, I know he's wasting doing the away uh, at Camden Yards um, <laughs> for the shitty Orioles. He is amazing. I think I don't know if he'd be interested in calling hockey. He's getting up there in age now. Yeah, I know, I know. It was just it was he just is one my of those personal favorite. I know Gary, or, or I'm sorry, I know um, Bill Clement just retired, so you would not be yeah, getting the band back it, together. Yeah, that would have been. See, now this is funny. You and I are reminiscing about those two guys. Yeah, Gary's seventy-two, and, and you sit there and. And hear us talk about that. It's like those two voices just sound. It's nineties penguins. It's completely nineties penguins. Well, they were on all the time. <laughs> Avalanche included in there, flyers, stuff like that. But yeah. um, Steve Levy always called the good game for hockey. He's obviously the Monday night football announcer now, but he would do hockey for them. Uh, the only negative would be getting John Butchergross back around hockey. He's a fucking clown. So that would be really lame that he would have a leading voice in hockey again um he's he's a dinosaur with that kind of stuff and he's a fucking dork in the worst way so um he tries to quote unquote cool the game up and it's like no dude he sounds like a 50 year old middle schooler it's fucking stupid actually that's a good point it's not a bad way to word it (laughs) talks like a fucking moron anyways um the exposure though that espn would provide they are still a, a huge sports network, obviously. People know where to find them. Hockey would infiltrate some of their uh, talking head shows. It might not be the the, the prime topic because the NFL is always going to rule the day with that. But what they could do is you know, be a little bit more into that being on the minds of people tuning in. And you know, the ESPN Plus platform... You know, classic TV is going away. Everything's going to be on the internet. ESPN has a platform for that, and it's growing. They have all the MMA on there. They already are showing some hockey on it. Um, I think Greg. I, mean, the- I think Greg Wazinski is a very good personality for the sport. Um, you may not agree with all his hockey takes, but that's fine. But he generally he genuinely loves the sport, has a sense of humor about it. He's able to. Be the perfect middleman between old school and new school. Um, I think he he would be an asset to be, um, you know, if ESPN were to get hockey back. Fox could get hockey back, and you split yeah, it how around. Do you, how do you feel about Fox having that? Because I'm not a massive fan of the Fox Sports local coverages of stuff, but I don't think that's the, one and the same. Yeah, well, that's why just I was going to ask. Just don't put Joe Such, Buck on the yeah. hockey games. Um, I'm not anti-Joe Buck for football or baseball, but, like, they shoehorned him into golf, and he, he tried his best, but he's not a, you know, that wasn't Yeah, him. he's, yeah, that's he's, not he's, he's really good. I know he takes a lot of crap, but he's, he's very talented at what he does. I don't think he knows hockey enough where um, Mike Tirico, on the other hand, I think can call a hockey game. So the thing with Buck is he, he understands the cadence of his calls in football and baseball is fantastic. And it's really hard to change your cadence for a sport that is much more up tempo. Yeah, it's constant. 
action. It's constantly rolling, whereas it's Gus you Johnson get a chance to still who wasn't Gus? Is it Gus Johnson, the guy oh, dude. that used to be on CBS? I don't, that used I'm to reasonably do the happy that I, some, I think I'm he was doing soccer for some Fox. Of these oh, they could get Dick Vitale. Oh, well. <laughs> Sorry. Gus Johnson calling hockey would be uh, something. Else. <laughs> he tried hockey, but it didn't. Or I'm oh. sorry, he tried soccer for the World Cup. It didn't work. But uh, let's see. No, he's with CBS and Fox Sports. Oh, would, huh. would you could you conceive of one of the other national broadcasters taking it on? Fox is national. No, no, but like just one of the other networks, as in, like, uh, who is it that has the TNT? Like TNT is the basketball coverage I, I know best because it's sort of what I grew up with. Turner, with oh, like Turner Sports, yeah, so TBS, like, TNT, yeah. I don't think they will because like, they're kind of all in on basketball. That's what I. That's that was that was sort of what what I was thinking. It's like that's their go to, isn't it? And it has been for decades. Yeah, they do a good job with the basketball. Obviously, they have the best intermission like panel with Barkley and Ernie Johnson, who's elite at what he does. And then uh, Shaq's on there. Who else am I leaving out? Kenny Smith. Yes, sorry, sorry, Kenny. I've I've started because I've started watching basketball a bit again. So. I, it's because I haven't watched it in years. You then get there and see, um, you see Ernie Johnson, and it's like, oh, dude, you've aged since I was watching this. But last. he he's <laughs> so freaking good. And then yes, Charles Barkley's is. just there to have a good time. So is Shaq. Like they have fun doing it. They don't hate the sport they're covering. So um, the thing that's interesting is that Bernie has to try to wrangle those three. He does well, those two in particular, not so much Kenny Smith. And yeah, I was about to say he does a pretty good job of nailing them down, getting them back on topic, and trying to get something productive out of them at times. Because there are times in intermissions where they don't look like they're really paying attention to the game because it's a trash game, which is fine. You are allowed to do that. Yeah, and guess what? It. People do. They stick around to watch them, even yeah. with a trash game. Whereas even if I'm watching an awesome hockey game, I want no part of the Keith Jones intermission. Yes, this is a very good point. You're listening to podcasts. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm not even I'm not even listening to the game itself. So, yeah, it's not it's it's not great on the production value of what it is. The game itself's keeping me in there cuz, you know, we both love hockey quite clearly. But uh, yes, the production of, of what they're, how they're showing it is, is difficult. And uh, lastly, I'll say this: they should entertain the idea of giving, seeking out some rights from something like Twitch. You want to reach younger audiences, you, you have to branch out to where they are. Twitch just did a whole concert series of Trey Anastasio back in October every Friday. Um, I downloaded the Twitch app on my TV for that, and they did the live concerts on there, and it was great. There's no reason YouTube or Twitch or things like that, the NHL shouldn't be at least poking around and seeing what their interest is in covering. And they don't have to be the primary carriers of You're the right. thing. It just has to be yeah. another option. The lo- Hey, you can follow the NHL on Twitch. Can you? Yeah. I follow Trey. That's the only one. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying that 
the pipeline's there is more what yeah. I meant. Yeah. So you, yeah, they need to think outside the box. I just I don't know whether the people up top that make these decisions have that ability about them, but we'll see. Yeah. So. So that's the TV stuff, and that deal is ending after the season. So it's going to be a big thing for the league moving forward. It's going to hugely impact the salary caps and everything. And how can they recover from Corona? Uh, depends a lot on this TV package because, you know, famously hockey's TV packages are not like the other sports in the United States. Maybe this is their chance not to get Sorry. on the same level. But to do better than they did with the NBC deal. Does the there was just a new bargaining agreement signed, right? Yes. Right. The players have got to do a better job of getting that thing signed on the other side of the TV deal. <laughs> well, it's still fifty-fifty. I I I I do I realise that, but. They need to, yeah. It's like the NBA players are starting to want to get. Um, oh, the the, the NHL players need to figure out when their contracts expire, yes. so they can personally re up. <laughs> yes. yes, I agree with that. Some of yeah. them, some of them have planned it that way. Yeah. Um. So, you know, that's the TV stuff. We'll see where it goes. I'm hoping for a diversified um, thing. I do not want a 12 year deal with anybody i want there to be flexibility to see who can so cover what would the be your what would be your kind of length for that because Six-ish. the seven yeah six to seven because the seven year deal here worked really really well it's enough for the um, it's enough for if there's a slower start to give them a chance to get traction get better at it and by the end of the deal you should know okay this isn't working or hey let's 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 re it up. Yeah, yeah, so I think I think six I would go. And then Yeah, that uh, sounds reasonable. Means the player can walk away into unrestricted free agency or the team can pony up for a hell of a lot more if he's good enough. Yeah, if they get the right T V deal, sure. So <laughs> um so that's the T V deal. Uh up next we're gonna have um talk a little penguins and Cam, it's 30 degrees where you are, correct? Uh, correct, and it's only quarter to nine in the morning, so it is hot early. Yeah, his 30 degrees not the same as ours. Or, well, it's the same as Canada's, I should say. Um, well, guess what? It's also 30 degrees here in Rochester, but it's snowing here. So <laughs> we are going to do a little uh, game of hot and cold with the Penguins. So, Cam... You you're you're taking over the the trending things that are hot for the penguins, and I am going to take the cold ones. So, right. Do we want to alternate our way through these? Yes. Right. Well, we'll start off with the hot, and probably the best hot thing for this team so far this season is the bottom six. Uh, I was pretty bottoms, cold. Baby. Yeah, I was pretty cold. On the, I was lukewarmish. Maybe would be a better way to put it. On the bottom six, uh, ability to drive play and actually produce, and very happy to be incorrect about that going into game five today. 
Yeah, so far so good. Um, uh, the bottom six is outperforming my expectations. I think a lot of other people's expectations, and specifically tangible offense. So Brandon Tanev had two goals to it, against um, the Flyers. Uh, Colton Sevier has two goals, I believe. Jankowski scored. Evan Rodriguez was playing on the top line, but I still consider him like a bottom six. Talent. Yeah, but he doesn't count. He's in. He's in the top six. He does not count. Well, he does now. <laughs> he, he does starting tonight. Is he being? Is he being pushed? Have they pushed Kapanen up? Yes. So. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. But all right, he counts. He counts. So. It's been a, a pleasant surprise, and they've done a nice job. I don't know long term if you want to really lean into them to continue or or the expectation of them to continue this offense. But when it shows up, you take it gladly because it it hasn't been throughout the whole entire team. And um, so far, so good for for the bottom six. you, You can't expect all four lines all the way through the year to be firing on all cylinders to produce. Otherwise, they're going to be scoring six goals a game, right? Like, so if you look at it in the context of you need each game, you need two lines at a minimum to be offensively productive and offensively dangerous. From a tangible right? standpoint, too. Correct. So you you sit there and think to yourself, well, normally it's your top two lines, and and if you get something extra from your your bottom two, generally you kind of win the game, right? Yeah, yeah. That's generally what happens. The fact that the bottom six as a collective unit is is producing helps the team move forward when not everything is clicking elsewhere on the roster. And and that being said, do you want to move into the first cold topic? Yes. And the coldest of the cold is the goaltending. Burr. Frostbite. Um, it's been terrible. It's been utterly pathetic so far. Dog, uh, dog shit. Dog shit, I believe, is a term I've heard floating around. Yeah. Um, you know, this doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a whole entire season thing, but Tristan Jari was really bad for his two starts against the Flyers. He was benched. Casey DeSmith took over. He's not been good. They've won two games. To the credit of your uh, topic that you just discussed, the bottom six has really come through and provided the necessary depth offense to overcome the NHL's worst goaltending. The Penguins are 31st in both 5-on-5 and all-situation save percentage. They have yet to get a game where the goaltender has a 9 as a save percentage, let alone a a, a 1 Point oh 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 oh, which would be a shutout. Um, <laughs> Casey DeSmith was great in the shootout. I, I want to say that because Washington has some really dangerous talent there, especially T.J. Oshie, who he stopped. I mean, Oshie's probably the best at it, period. And he navigated through that shootout and got them the extra point. So I do want to give him credit there. But he looked so for a guy that looked like he was floating around and sliding. He looked too active during the game, right? Get him in the one-on-one situation, and he was just—he was almost motionless. And the less motion you have as a goalie, the less holes you create when you're trying to hold your angles. So, I was 
infinitely more impressed with that. And I do wonder then if the jitteriness that in De Smith in particular, if you look at the comparison between the in-game and the the shootout, I wonder whether he's all over the place because right now he is not trusting what the two defensemen in front of him are actually going to be doing in regards to, you know, across across the middle type passes and stuff like that because he seems to be overreacting. And look, to be honest, that was Jerry as well. Uh, I do remember the joke you made in regards to its Fleury, its Circa Fleury, what was it, 2010, 2013 or something no, the, like that? No, the Flyer series of 2012. <laughs> yeah, that one. Which, not a good one. When, no, but it was exactly on the money. And, and you, you watch Jerry, and he was just he was just hyperactive in all of that. Like, he needed to calm down and couldn't. So I'll be very curious to see, because Pittsburgh are not giving up a ton of chances but they seem to be giving up a lot of high-quality ones, and then they're letting in leaky goals when they're not high-quality chances, and that's what's killing them. They're in the bottom third for giving up high-danger chances, but I am going to say this. They are supposed to be NHL goalies, and NHL goalies are supposed to make some high-danger saves, and they have not. Every every single NHL goalie has a responsibility to come through on some of these, and Pittsburgh just flat out has not gotten any kind of. They have the defense has not been bailed out at all, and I, it's it can't stay this bad, and I don't think it's going to. But as far as trends through four games, the goaltending is clearly their number one problem. And um, Tristan Jari is going to start tonight for the Rangers or against the Rangers, and that's the right move. You yeah. sat him down. To let them think, hey, let me get let me get my shit together. That's a bad start. I know I'm supposed to be the starter. Now you give them a chance. At, even after DeSmith won the game against the Capitals, won two of them, he didn't play well. So I like that Mike Sullivan is not going, oh, well, we won, so we can't make a lineup change. Um, he's going back to Jari against the Rangers. It's the right move. Let's see him bounce back. Let's see if we can get the goaltending off of this cold list uh, for next week, maybe. So just with that, their numbers right now are atrocious. They're going to have to have some ridiculous hot run at some point for them to get their numbers up to league average, right? Which is all we expect from these two to make this team competitive enough to maybe go on a well, stupid well, run to win. All of my cup, predictions right? about the team assumed league average. Right. So I don't think that... If they go back to playing league average the rest of the year, right? So say from this point forward... Yeah, we forget about the four they're, games. They're, they're never going to get back to league average statistically. They might. It's only four games, but... but that, No, but that means they're going to have to play better than league average because they are substantially lower than league average right now. You get the point that I'm trying to make, right? Yes. So for me, if they're in a playoff position come the last 10 games and they're providing league average goaltending, then... I will probably feel a lot more comfortable. And I tell you what, they're 2-2 two and two with league-worst goaltending, so things could be worse. Well, And that's the other thing. How long do you go if you're Pittsburgh and you're getting goaltending like this and you do start... Because you can't afford to have a five-game losing streak this year. We all know why. So at what point do you see these this management panicking and go, holy shit, we need to find a goaltender that we can trust? Uh, that's the million-dollar question. We'll see. Well, it might be 
6.4 and what million, and what assets do they like even that. have to do something like that i don't really have any that's, that's the other thing this team has no flexibility in cap and no flexibility in assets to make a change at that position at least i don't think so rutherford has pulled rabbits out of the hat before in regards to they have no wiggle room oh crap you managed to create something but and goaltending yeah, market's weird anyways well yeah it, it certainly is so um yeah, that's a good one for goalies. Um, do we want to switch to a, another hot one? Sure. Uh, Sid the Kid. Although he's technically Sid the Grandpa with this team now. But um, he's been pretty awesome. <laughs> he has been. Um, he's got, what, two power play goals? I, I don't know if that's their only two power play goals of the year. Um no, I think Gino finally got Oh, that's best. right. Gino got one. Maybe Gensel got one, too. Um, but, yeah, it's um, he's he's the only dude among the, the guys that you expect from to have an even-strength goal so far this year. Um, he, he's doing his thing, and, um, you know, it's just nice to see him at 33 still still being pretty damn good. His, the OT winner was just technical brilliance against Washington. Yeah, that's him being him. <laughs> you just, you, you watch, you watch everything he puts into that and he's, he's one, he's not the fastest guy. He, he's not what I would call the best of anything across, across it, right? But he's in the Not anymore, probably. No, but he's in the 98th or 95th percentile of everything, and that's that's and he hasn't really had a. Well, I'll a, a give drop him one. I'll give him one. The backhand. He's still yeah. the best. Uh, true. All right. That's yeah. You're not really going to hear anybody argue that. But you, you you look at it and it's just like the the reason he is still so good is that even as he tapers off due to age, because he's so ridiculously good at every single part of the game, it still makes him ridiculously productive. And, you know, you can't rely on him to do all the scoring. You know that Gensel will eventually pick it up. You know, apparently Kapitan's on his line. Fucking 30-goal prediction for Gensel's looking like dog shit right now. <laughs> yeah, but he'll he'll go on a tear. You know he will. Yeah, he, he ain't getting does. 30, though. You can't uh, throw too many uh, away. Too many games away. No, I do understand that. But he has a habit of getting them in bunches. And sometimes it's annoying where you go... Statistically, this is great for you, but I'd like you to spread these out over a couple of games because we're going to need them elsewhere. So that's it's just it's the thing with with Gensel. He's a he's a streaky he's a streaky guy, but a lot of goal scorers are, I suppose. Um, but yeah, Sid Sid's been great. He's been fun to watch. He's uh, his ability to win faceoffs at ridiculous clips is uh, being highlighted because there's not a lot of other good statistical stuff that the traditional media like to rabbit on about but it's advanced yeah he's at about 62 percent for shot attempts when he's on the ice he has an expected goals of 65 percent which is great Jesus. and when he's uh as far as high danger chances on the ice uh 16-4 only eight against so he's doubling up in the danger areas as well so you know same old same old uh, just wanted to throw Sid some love here. Good start to the year, and um, you know, 
he should um, get a new line mate soon, so that'll be interesting to see. So, well, hopefully it clicks. Now, cold again. You know, my main man, Gino, <laughs> love him. Um, he's off to a poor start so far this year, and I would extend that not only to him. I think Brian Rust has been a ghost so far this year as well. Um, and those two were a great duo last year, but through four games, I, I've seen Gino do a small number of things, namely the, the one-timer goal you referenced. Um, I haven't seen anything from Brian Rust. In fact, I think he got demoted off of that line the last game. Jason Zucker had a breakaway that got stopped. Um, he, But the, the, that line as a whole, not doing anything at even strength. And that's why it's been so important that the bottom six has lifted them up because, you know, you would go into the season thinking, okay, top two lines will do their thing, whatever you get from the bottom six, whatever. They've gotten nothing from the second line. Do I expect that to continue? No. I, it, it would blow me away if Gino was cooked and just fell off. Rust looks a quarter of a step slow which is not good for somebody that does rely on his speed to get up and down the ice. Great zone entry guy with um, the puck, and I just haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, Jerry looks disinterested. That's how that's how it appears on the ice. When he's not when when he's in a slump, it looks like he doesn't care. And that never is fair on him because we all know that he really does. But it, it's just interesting when it all sort of goes wrong for him. It, it just it looks bad. Like Sid goes through slumps and he doesn't look like this. It just the puck doesn't go in for him, right? When Gino goes into slumps, it's like everything goes to the pack. His exit passes, his entry passes, his ability to enter the zone. Um, it, it, it you just sit there with it and it's like as you always say on the power play why they don't just team up on that right hand side for those one timers if there is anything that would get a player going it would be going back to something that you know you're good at and you can do a hundred times out of a hundred and that is get that slap shot off and hopefully maybe that gets the kinks out for him and away he goes but if they don't get rust going that's a concern at five on five, and I would also yeah. include Brian Rust's um, work on the power play has been. I haven't been too impressed with it. He led the team in power play goals last year, but they're really giving him a lot of touches on the half wall, and that's that's not what you want. You don't want him to be the half wall guy. I know that he's going to have to have some of that responsibility because he's like the only right-handed forward they're using there. But, you know, it's gotten to the point where now they have Sid back on the freaking left half wall, which drives me bonkers. Um, he should just be on the corner. Of the, he should be just on the post. I know. Sit down low. I know. It's, I know. Look, I know. <sighs> so they got some kinks to work out on the power play. I mean, they are 10th overall in the league at 25%. But one of those was that goal that, Crosby picked out of the air from Carter Hart with like 10 seconds left on the power play. So that wasn't really a zone time, work it around, no. our power play's working kind of thing. So, you know, 
hopefully I Rust felt- and Gino can get it going on the power play, but more importantly, most of the game is played at even strength. That line has to get it going. And hopefully the Rangers, maybe Jack Johnson is the uh, medicine for that. <laughs> the most uh, dunked on pairing in the league the Penguins will be going up against tonight. Jack Johnson and Tony D'Angelo. What a pairing. God, it would be you hate you, know, you would you hate know to see Johnson's that going to score. score. So you know Johnson is going to score. Tonight. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't care. He sucked as a penguin. There's nothing. Is a, him scoring against the penguins does not change the fact he fucked them over and they they won one playoff game in two years because he was bleeding goals when on the ice. So oh, it's just it's the way hockey works. It just it's. It has a weird karmatic reaction sometimes, this sport. It's bizarre. All right, back for a good thing. What do you got? Yeah, we just got there and said that the second line is struggling with their zone entries and struggling with all that kind of stuff. Overall, as a team, though, they're ranked fifth for the Corsi 4 percentage at 54.3%. So they're controlling the game. They're just not getting the results at certain ends of the ice. <laughs> Correct, and and that's not bad. That you know, a four game sample is not really predictive; it's more uh, descriptive. But for all the the flaws and stuff that have been happening, you know, it's good that they've been able to, you know, have some flow at times, even against the Flyers when their goalies weren't making a save. They had really good second and third periods where Carter Hart just was good. He, he was he great. Was very you tip good. your hat, you move on. So some of the um, most most Penguins are above fifty percent with their shot attempts. Uh, so the thing that's interesting there is, I wonder if this is a function of holy shit, our goalies are not making a save. We need to have the puck. Maybe yeah. I know that they've. I know that over the last, you know, however many years, they've driven play, right? I fully appreciate that, and I totally understand that. But there comes a point in time where you just know the puck can't be in your own zone. You, you, it goes in there. There's a very good chance you're going to get scored on. So having the puck the other end of the ice is kind of important at this point. The way the goalies are playing. Yeah. Can't stress that goalie thing enough. <laughs> right? Like you said, all, all, all you asked for was league average goaltending. That, that's all they need to, to, to be competitive. And if either of them get hot, they're probably a chance to, to, to go deep in the playoffs. But without it, they might not get there. To, to speak to this point even more, the Penguins are the number one team in the NHL at the moment at shot attempts per 60 at 41.44 so they give up the least shot attempts so if the goaltending was average they'd probably be 4-0 right now yeah so the so. you know as you say possession uh defensively is part of that too they've they've been and that was that was the the expectation of the bottom six heading into the season that they would be good defensively and it appears they've um lived up to that end of the bargain because Jared McCann and Mark Jankowski are number two and three at shot attempts against per 60 among Penguins right now. And those are two of the three third liners. So, yeah. And that's important. So that is another positive. 
a negative. The health of the defense. Um, are there? Is there anybody left standing? And thank God it's not Latagia this right? Um, so Mike Matheson, after one game, he was out long term. I don't think highly of his game, but he eats minutes. And when you're talking about NHL depth, now Marcus Pedersen, because of the, the shitty hit by TJ Oshie, he's week to week. Don't know what it is. Don't know if it's a shoulder or a concussion yet. But Marcus Pedersen is a top four defenseman for this team. He's out. Mike Matheson, who would be logically his, uh, potentially his replacement, out. Mike Matheson's replacement, Yuso Rikola, out long term. <laughs> so now we have Pierre Joseph or Pierre Olivier Joseph stepping in for his NHL debut tonight. He was one of the guys that was picked up by Rutherford in the Kessel trade with Arizona. He had, by all accounts, once he got through his injuries last year in the AHL, had a pretty successful year there. So Pittsburgh will be looking to lean on him. Cody Cece, as a result, will be back in the lineup. That will be pushing John Marino to his left side. And, you know, it's never really a great thing. Sometimes... I think it's easier as a forward to play your offside than it is a defenseman. And um, so, yeah, that's that's the bare-bones defense that the Penguins are going to have to roll with for an extended period of time because Pedersen is the likeliest to come back, and he's week to week. The other guys are longer term, which means not like a week or two, more like three, four, so five. Has, has Matheson been put on long term yet? I, I think obvi- obviously he's eligible. I don't know if they have or not. Yeah, because because it's two. It gives weeks, you the like space it. now, <laughs> like the cap space is what. Yeah. But when yeah, it comes it's, back, it's like you don't get it anymore, so that makes it tricky. Yeah, it's it's yeah it's it's tough. I I get that. It, it, I just I wonder why because you can retroactively add somebody to long term injury list, right? So yes, it's you not can. like if they wait. Yeah, they have to because it's a two week. It's a fourteen day minimum, I think, for long term injury. If you put them on there, they've got to be out for a minimum of two weeks, even if they're healthy to come back. So, um, if they both go on, if oh, there's freaking three of them, if they all end up on long term injury list, Pittsburgh need to have the puck more than they, <laughs> even more than they do right now, I suppose. Makes so, it tougher though. <laughs> yeah, it, it certainly. But does. you're going to learn about really um, Joseph. <laughs> pretty quick if he's the one that well you're also going in you're also going to learn how bad cody cc more like cody pp as many elk said and that has stuck in my head ever since i read that on twitter uh, every time i hear his name it's the one thing that pops into my head we'll, we'll see if it ends up being a, a car crash because they don't have any other options really do they not no they're because Trotman, who would be a guy that they would maybe have thought of putting in, is out after having arthroscopic surgery on his knee, and he's... I mean, Ricola is the guy that six. you would... Yes, he's well, he's out. toast as well. <laughs> so, yeah, the health of the defense, and, and I'm going to lump in um, John Marino here. He is healthy, but he, he's off to not a great start. Uh, his expected goals are 44.1. That's... That's not the John Marino of, of last year. So through four games, he's been he's been cold too. So it's been really weird. Like you know, we're talking about rust 
Moreno looks lost. Yeah, it, it hasn't been good. Uh, he he had a tremendous year last year, so um, I'm not worried long term. But the, the the problem with a 56 game season is, you know, what is long term? It's it's not as long as it usually is. You gotta you gotta snap out of these things a little bit quicker. So, you know, yeah. the the defense as a whole, I would put in the cold thing. A lot of it due to health. And a little bit to do with John Marino's slow start. So, yeah, like the, I'm not expecting it to be a year like this all the way through. It's it's just odd how a guy that looked like he understood the game brilliantly, positionally was always good, you know, all those sorts of things. Because he's not he's not the strongest guy out there, right? So we kind of can't afford to try and body up on guys. He certainly did. He just do it like, against Tom Wilson. <laughs> he, yeah, he let him take the he, puck, and that's how one of those goals got scored. He just looks like he's lost how to play the game, which is not the case, but that's just the way it appears. And it's like, what the hell's going on here? This is just, it's weird. The cerebral guys are usually the ones that you don't have to worry about with that stuff. He doesn't, he's, he's not an elite skater. Um, he's, he's not overly physical. So if somebody's physically out of whack at the start of the year, you can see those two functions of their, of their abilities falling apart a little bit and being, being all skew if, but usually the brain works and you can get yourself into the spots you're used to. So I just, I find his uh, slow start bizarre. Yeah. But this kind of leads into, I think, uh, one of the last hot talking points we have. Mr. Ruweedle and Mr. Kapanen. Yeah, uh, Ruweedle, he... Well, congratulations to him. He's, I believe, a new dad as of the other day. I believe so. So, congrats to him on that. That's a that's a huge thing. He's going to have that dad strength that all new dads get. He'll probably score a goal too to negate that Jack Johnson one, thankfully. <laughs> and um, you know, Ruido, it. Why don't you, before the podcast, you had mentioned him, and why don't you just say what you said then about him? I do not understand the relationship that Rue Weedle and this team has. I don't know why he stayed, and I have no idea why they kept him, because they never wanted to play him. It's baffling. I've thought that he should have been playing before Ricola and quite clearly Jack Johnson. Like he, The way the roster was constructed last year, he was quite clearly, at a minimum, the sixth best defenseman on the roster. Um, I look at him in the sense of Ben Lovejoy, in that, I don't think he's as good as Lovejoy, but Lovejoy just came in and did what he needed to do and didn't really make a lot of glaring errors. Ruedel generally doesn't either. I, I don't know why they've still got him, but I'm thankful they do right now. You could make an argument he should have played over Schultz. Yeah, absolutely. He's sitting at an expected goals of 73% right now, second best on the team. <laughs> do you want to know who is number one? Uh, Jankowski. I just wanted to throw out a stupid name. No, um, Jankowski's actually third worst at 42. He's He had his goal, but he's not doing his hot. He's the only guy in the, the bottom way six. You, is kind the of way bad. you said it, I'm expecting some strange person. No, it's the other guy player. that you mentioned on your hot list. Oh, Sid, okay. That no, sense. the other guy <laughs> that you just mentioned. It's Kapanen. Oh, Kapanen. He's at 95% okay. expected goals. Obviously, that's Jesus in only Christ. 10 minutes of game time. But... He had a great debut, and he was noticeable out there, his speed. We knew this going in, though. 
We knew his speed was the asset. Can he be cerebral cerebral to play with Sid? We're going to find that out tonight, and we're going to learn a little bit about it more tonight as he plays with Crosby. I was a little upset that Mike Sullivan didn't play him more with the top line, and I get that his conditioning is not where it needs to be because he's been in quarantine, not being able to practice. But you gave him 10 minutes, and he was good. I'm not asking you to give him more than the 10 minutes, but why couldn't half of that be with Sid? He's yeah. so rigid. He, Sullivan is so rigid with his in-game lines and in-game management, and you know, I'm not, I'm not impressed with a lot of it. And it's interesting. We were really happy the fact that Balsma would just dice it all up. You know what I mean? He would get there and he'd do the two-headed monster at the end of periods or after TV timeout. You know what I mean? Like he really tried to utilize the big horses that he had. He's like, well, nobody else has this advantage. Why the hell don't I use it? And then you got Jordan Stahl Some coming it, back, so whatever. Yeah, well, that yeah, that absolutely helps. They don't quite have that same ability with this roster, but that you're right. There is no flexibility in what he does. It's almost like the next coach. Well, it's not going to matter. A better coach, I think, for this roster would be somebody that's in between the two of them. Yeah. So and I'll give him this. Yeah. He he bumped Kappen into the top line. So I'm nitpicking that game, but obviously in a game that they were kind of up against it for a while, even though ultimately they did win in overtime, they were struggling. They looked bad through half that game. Kapanen looked great. Why wouldn't you put him with your other guys to get them going? So through one game, you know, Kapanen gets on the hot list, at least um, how we feel about it. And Ruedel... You know, obviously he's not going to be a 73% expected goals player. He's a depth defenseman. But he's always stayed afloat with the Penguins. Weird usage or not, he's, you know, they're going to have to lean on him right now. At least Latang and Marino are ahead of him so they can eat those minutes and he can stay at the proper pay grade in the lineup where they're not asking too much of him. Um, so that's nice. What He will he will get a new partner, Joseph. So it'll be interesting to see that because uh, Marino has uh, Cody Cece, So, But, yeah, those two guys, pretty good. I, it's, a, it's a nice relief because without the second line clicking, you need other areas to jump up and, and do stuff for you. So if it flips and flops all year in regards to the, the having two lines on the go thing, that'll get them to the playoffs. Goaltending dependent. Um, I had one more cold thing, but I kind of lumped it in with um, the defense health uh, was my was Marino. But I will I'll add one. And I know I said the Penguins have a top 10 power play at 25% right now. I haven't liked how it looked. I, I think they've done a poor job in the zone. It sometimes feels like the other team has more players on the ice than the power play. And they've done a poor job of finding their two-on-ones. I do like that they're trying more player movement with their feet, not just the puck. Yeah. But that player movement is... It's a double-edged sword because, again, the sit on the left side, just shoot that into the fucking sun. <laughs> but 
They, we'll see. How does a team with this many quality players struggle to enter the zone as well? I, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand how... They, they are the hardest working power play in the league. In, in the sense of they make it look so hard. Well, they, they, they are doing the drop pass thing, and I think teams have gotten a little bit better at defending it. I still think it's a good method because it it forces the penalty killers to, to get flat-footed at, at the blue line, and anytime you can catch PK players flat-footed is good because you should be able to swarm the puck and you should be able to, to generate your speed through the neutral zone. So I'm not... I'm not anti-drop pass breakout. Some people are. I'm not. But teams are getting better at defending it. And Phil Kessel's not on the team to take some of that responsibility. He was amazing between him and Latang, And then you dish it off to Crosby or Gino to finish off the, the entry into the zone. That was, that was a really good setup that they used to have. But um, without Phil, they've had to rely a little bit more on Latang to do a little bit of that. Um, I wouldn't mind Malkin taking that fill role a little bit more. Um, yeah. But you know what? Brian Rust is great at zone entry, so they could probably stand to utilize him a little better. Uh, that has been one of his strengths throughout the years, at least in my opinion. But power play just looks like it's going through a learning phase. It probably doesn't deserve to be on the cold list, per se, uh, but it's certainly not lukewarm. So maybe we'll put it maybe we'll put it on the room temperature. So <laughs> tepid water. So you know, we'll see um we'll see what happens tonight against the Rangers. We'll get a first look at at least my first look at Alex Lafreniere, who could have been a penguin but was not. And um you know, I always like watching Artemi Panarin and you know, Jack Johnson's a yard sale, and he's not our yard sale anymore. I like that. It is going to feel weird watching them and not watching Lundqvist. Yeah, that is true. But we got a good look at that last year because they really didn't play King the King that much last year. No, no, no. It, it's yeah, it's just weird. Like he'd almost he'd play almost every single Penguins game. We are yeah. Jari is going to have to deal with Chris Kreider though. He's back, and that wasn't a thing last year. Uh, uh, so that top line is Zabinajad, Kreider, and Lafreniere. That will be interesting. The second line is Buchnevich, uh, Strom, and Panarin. So not a bad little top six. In fact, if you go by uh, the WAR stat, the Rangers' second line is actually the best line with Panarin between the two teams. Yeah. Um, so New York feel like one of those teams this year that could get really close to a playoff spot, but might not just because they're a bit young and they do have Jack Johnson on their roster. Their defense isn't, isn't strong right now. No. Um, he's certainly not going to help the cause. And yeah, Jacques Martin, in hindsight, might have not been helping the Penguins' cause. He seems to be all in on Jack Johnson, so I don't know. They're they're an they're an up and coming team. They're on the rise. Yeah, they're, they're going to arrive, I think, sooner rather than later, given some of the talent that they have. Uh, it's a tough division, so 
you know, if they want to be competitive, they're going to have to win a back-to-back against a team like the Penguins to leapfrog them. And uh, if the Penguins want to be serious about solidifying a playoff spot, they need to to sweep a team like the Rangers, a team like the Devils, because there aren't too many low-hanging fruit. Even the Sabres are, are playing pretty good overall hockey even though the results haven't matched there they're the third best expected goals team in the in the league and the best one in the division they're a 58 percent expected goals team the sabers are the bruins are fifth they just are they just not getting saves yeah they're they're they're, or are they just struggling to actually put the thing in the net even though they're they're living in the zone yeah buffalo's a bottom six save percentage team they're under 900 yeah so that's um poor guys <laughs> right so but um you know should be should be a good good two games against the rangers um i'm out of hot and cold stuff or i'm out of the cold stuff so you're out of the hot stuff um i think that's gonna wrap it up for this week so um Much appreciated. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye.